and, and uh, with her families and just a good time, maybe off of work or something for a little while and just been able to kind of get recharged. I was talking to Carl a little bit ago. Um, he was talking about how good it is to get back into the routine. And I said, well, yeah, I'm kind of looking, looking forward to get back in the routine. And I think that's how we know we're becoming old men because uh, we look forward to the routine, right? So uh, anyway, so as we start that, but I tell you, as we, as we start the new year, and I, I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about um, um, one, one of the reasons I love the New Year's, and, and, and I'm a little skeptical, I'm a little cynical just kind of by nature, but um, I'm a little skeptical of New Year's resolutions and stuff, and, and uh, maybe that's because I've got too much experience making them and not keeping them. I don't know about you, but anyway, um, it, it's just difficult. And, uh, but um, I, what I wanted to talk about today was really something that we, we all struggle with all the time. It's just part of the nature of this current life that we're in, is that we, we just always struggle with kind of with some multiplicity. You know what I'm saying? We always struggle because our, our focus, there's, there's so few of us today. Let me just come down here. So um, we, we struggle because there's always something vying for our attention. You know, and there's always something we're always struggling to, to keep our attention and keep our focus on, on the right things. We were reading in Sunday school this morning, from Revelation chapter 4, and I wasn't really planning on reading this. Actually, um, we're going to be all over the New Testament this morning. But let me just read this from Revelation chapter 4 because there's something very centering um, about remembering who God is and what our life is going to be like after our existence on this earth. So if you have your Bible, just turn with me there. This is So John has this view of heaven and what it's going to be like, and he has specifically this view of God. Um, and just read this with me. I'll just read it quickly. Um, so John, in the first part of Revelation, by the way, we're reading through Revelation in our Sunday school class on, on Sunday mornings. If you'd like to be a part of that, we're only finished through, through chapter 4. If you'd like to be a part of that, we're going to be we're continuing on in Revelation chapter 5 next week, starting at 9.30 in the morning. If you'd like to take part, we'd love to have you. Um, anyway, Revelation chapter 4, John talked about, he had a vision of Jesus, and then he, he talks about, he writes letters to the seven churches that, that Jesus had told them to write. And then beginning in chapter 4, really through the end of the chapter, be, the end of the book, um, he has these revelations about the future, things that are going to happen. And so here's what John says. He says, after this, that's after he has this, this uh, um, view of God and uh, of Jesus telling him what to write to the, to the seven churches. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet, that is Jesus, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me, was a throne in heaven with something sitting, someone, I'm sorry, someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders that were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. And also before the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third, the third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. 
day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, declaring God's holiness and his, and his omnipotence and his, and his eternal nature. Uh, verse 9, when the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay the, their crowns down before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by you will they, were they created and have their being I love that picture of eternity. I love that picture of heaven because in all of this, this is kind of a very centering view of it all. I mean, we really, this life is very short. Our time here is very short, but we're going to be spending all of eternity there with the angelic beings. They're majestic in themselves and there with the, with the elders who have earned crowns and robes of white uh, because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. But they're all falling before God who is there seated, enthroned in sovereignty and power and majesty and glory and beauty, and they're all falling before him saying, holy, 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 and power and mercy and, 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 and power belong to him who sits on the throne. They're falling before the Lord. There's something to me, there's something very centering about that. There's something that really helps me focus um, uh, about that. And it's something I need, and I need to remind myself of all the time of the glory and the majesty of our great God, the one who is worthy of worship. Amen. There's something very centering in my life. And, and listen, you know, we all have things going on in, my life, in our lives. You know, I've got, I've got teenagers. They're, you know, they're driving. We're, we're having to buy. We're buying cars. We're adding insurance. And who knew? But anyway, you, you did, some of you, right? Uh, but there, we're adding insurance. I've got, you know, I'm a bivocational pastor, so I pastor here. I also work at Pantex. Work's always crazy. There's always something nuts going on. There's, you know, family things. There's things that I wish I were doing, things that I, uh, that I would like to be doing more of. There's things that I'm, I'm missing all the time. Um, but in the end, this really helps center me, is that there is a God who is glorious and majestic and worthy of my life worthy of my worship. That kind of really helps puts everything in perspective for me. And, and as, we, as I think about the new year and I think about the things that, I, that I'd like to do for this year and, and, and what I pray that our church is able to do over in the next year, one of the things that I know is that we've got to be able to see our God as he is, the one who is worthy of worship, worthy of all of our lives. Amen? That really helps kind of keep things pretty simple to me. Uh, there's a lot in this life that we can get worked up about and spend a lot of time and energy and emotional energy about. But in the end, we're going to be standing before the throne with these majestic angelic beings and with the elders, and we're going to be spending all of eternity just taking in all the glory and the majesty of our God. Amen? So we could just stop there, couldn't we? We could just go on and everybody have an early lunch. Right? But let's, let's do a little more than that. How about that? Um, what I wanted to do is really I wanted to start, I, you know, I love the new year because, you know, I, I, I don't know the, about you, but I just feel like I always need a fresh start. You know, I, I'm just always in need of it. It, 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 it just, there are things that I haven't done that I wished I had done. There are things that I, that I haven't made a priority that I wished I had made a priority. There are some things in my life that I wish that I'd done, I've been doing differently. And, and I like the new year because it reminds me is that, you know, I do have a fresh start. I, I, I do have a new beginning. All the time I'm offered it, you know, the mercies of God are new every day, and I, and I need that. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've got a great need for that. Um, you know, I was, I was listening to um, uh, an, an, inter an interview with, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget his name, greatest evangelist still alive today. His name is 
Billy Graham, thank you. Oh, that's embarrassing, isn't it? My goodness. Yeah, um, someone told me lavender, smelling lavender helps your memory. We've got a garden out in front. I'm going to like roll in it every day. Uh, Billy Graham, Billy Graham was, was being interviewed. And, and so uh, Billy Graham took on, you know, has done so many in these incredible speaking events where he'd speak to stadiums of people and, and hordes of people just came and, and came to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because of his incredible testimony, his incredible word about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And one of the things that I love what Billy Graham said, one of the things he loved, he says, I wish I'd have said no, I wish I'd have said no to more speaking engagements and spent more time just one-on-one with people. Isn't that incredible? The, the guy who's done incredibly, incredibly marvelous things in ministry and seen so many people, been, been such an incredible force in, in, in the United States to, to, to turning people towards God, and he says, I wish I'd have spent more time building relationships with people. I wish I'd spend more time building relationships with people. I, I hope you're there too. Um, but you know what? We've got a new fresh start. We've got a new year, and, uh, and we've got a new opportunities to kind of assess where we're at and, and, uh, and make some changes in our lives. So let me, let me just encourage you. Let me, uh, let me encourage you this, this way. Uh, let, me, let me take you through, through some, some stuff here about what, how simple God has made it, how simplified and um, he's made, uh, made this life for us. Colossians says that, that, there, that there stood before us that, that, that when we were, that, that when we, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, that there stood before us a code is what Colossians calls it. There's a, a written code that, that is actually, he says, that, that stood against us or opposed to us. And we know that that's what he's referring to as the Old Testament law. It's the Ten Commandments and then everything else, right, of the Old Testament that, that had all of these thou shalts and all of these thou shalt nots, right? And I kind of made a list of a bunch of those this morning. Uh, as we were preparing, as I was preparing here for today, so I, I've kind of made a list of some of those. I didn't certainly didn't get them all, but um, I, I got some of the main ones, some of the Ten Commandments, and some of the others. So some of those, thou shalt, you know, thou shalt keep the Sabbath, thou shalt keep my name holy, thou shalt honor your parents, your mother and father, thou shalt be holy. There are some of these from the New Testament. Thou shalt forgive. You should be patient. You should bear with each other. You shall not lust or greed or make idols or covet or have other gods or murder or steal or commit adultery or give false testimony or be angry over and over and over again. If Jesus were to summarize this, he'd say, what? Thou shalt love God and love people, right? He makes it very simple for us. Um, but anyway, uh, th- but, but what, what Paul's referring to here is he says, he says is that there is this code that stood uh, opposed to us, and it, it, was, it was opposed to um, us because we couldn't keep the law. No one could for, for generation after generation. No one in the Old Testament could keep the Old Testament law because it was God's standard, and God's standard was higher than anyone could reach. And for generation after generation, all they could do was offer sacrifices to cover over their failures, right? But what, what's happened here is, is uh, the Lord Jesus has come, and in Colossians chapter 2, Paul's going to tell us what has happened um, to, to that code. I had that at first, and then I turned to Revelation like I should, should stick, stick, stick to the script. Okay, in Colossians chapter 2, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, um, the, the Apostle Paul says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. That's an incredible statement, isn't it? Having canceled the written code and its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. 
That's an incredible statement that, it, that he says. So, so what Paul says here is that, is that what God did is the, this thing that always stood hovering over us, this thing that was always against us, that was always opposed to us because we could never measure up to God's holiness because we were fallen creatures. He says is that God has forgiven all the sins, all the things that we couldn't keep, all the things that God's standards that we couldn't keep. And he says, and he's canceled the code. But it says that he did more than that. And this is, this is important why I have this this uh, up here today, oftentimes what we think about are people who don't understand Christianity think that God came in and, and whenever we, you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came in here and he gave you a clean slate. The problem is, is what, you, is what people then think, well, then I go back in and I start, make, I start sinning again. I, I, I lie and I lust and I greed and I covet and, I, 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 and I, I redo all these things that I've done before, and so I need another time for forgiveness or repentance. But what, what, what Paul's writing here is that he says is that God took the code itself, and he nailed it to the cross. He, it's like he carried it over, and he nailed it to the cross, and he said, by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there is now no, the covenant requirements have been met, and the code for my people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ has been canceled for them. So there is no more record keeping about how well you do or how well you don't do. The code has been canceled for all of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what we have today is it's been fulfilled by him, and you and I are justified by faith in him. It's as though the code were never opposed to us, and it's as though Jesus Christ has met the requirements on our behalf. Amen. I mean, this is good for me. This is good because I couldn't do it. I, I'm always in need. Even as a believer, I, I just have this continual need for a restart. And what God says is that, is that not that the swipe's been wiped clean. It's that the, swipe, the, 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 the slate's been taken away. There's no more place to record your sins because they've all been taken away and nailed to the cross when Jesus Christ died there. He took it away. Amen. And we've been freed. It's not hanging over you anymore. It's not hanging over you and, and, you just, and you're coming back and saying, I don't measure up. I can't stand, the, I, I can't stand under God's uh, perfect code. I can't stand under his perfect law anymore. It's been canceled for those of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been forgiven of all of our sin and the code was nailed to the cross and we are no longer under its authority. Not only were those charges dropped against us, but our sin and our guilt have been taken away. Over in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, John the Apostle writes this. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, who's sinful? Yes, I am. We, we are, all of us. And anyone who claims that they don't have sin, the truth is not in them. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has sin in our lives. Every one of us has sinned and continues to sin. But verse 9, he says, if we, conf if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will what? Forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So your sins have been forgiven. How, how does that go? Um, Oh, this blessed thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Amen? All the things in our lives that we regret, all the things in our lives that, that we wish we hadn't done, all the things in our lives that we wish we had done, all the things that we know that God wanted us to do, but we, we didn't because we were lazy or we were fearful or whatever, all of those things have been forgiven, and they've been carried to the cross uh, of Jesus Christ, and we 
bear them no more. And not only sin, but guilt too. Listen, believer, um, there are people still today who are in church who know the gospel very well and still have shame for their sins. Listen, if you will run, to, just like the, uh, the, the, uh, all the J-Kids uh, led us in worship this morning, if you will run to the cross, if you will escape to the cross over and over and over again, you will find that there is no need for shame, right? That there is no need for shame. You know, what, what you've done in your life has been totally obliterated and forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. His grace and mercy and His blood is greater than all our sin. Amen? Amen. And, and listen, I, you hear me say this all the time, but, you know, it, it feels like to me, it, it feels like my sin is this great and God's forgiveness is this small. I'm wrong, right? right? What I, I got to believe what the Bible says and not what, how I feel. My sin may be this great, but the forgiveness of God is infinitely greater. Amen. His grace and mercy, much greater, even greater than all of my sin. Uh, so one of the things I love, one of the things that Paul, Paul writes, and, and, and it's just something I love to kind of meditate about and think about, it, he says, it was for freedom that Christ, what, set us free. I, I love that statement. I, I, I wonder what it means, honestly. I, I wonder a lot about what that means. It's like Jesus Christ just wanted us to be free, and so he set us free. Okay, I could go on and on about that, but let me, let me just read you some of the scripture. Um, so the Bible talks about us having freedom from several things. One of it, is, it says is that we've been set free from the law of the Old Testament. In other words, we don't have to keep those standards anymore, right? We've been freed from the Old Testament law. But it also talks about not only that, but it also says that we're free from condemnation. In other words, since God has canceled that written code for all of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have come, come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that means that, that we're no longer under condemnation from him. In other words, he has nothing to judge us on now because that's, that, that's been fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now there's no judgment or condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus anymore. No condemnation, right? The last thing, though, is that we've been set free from the bondage of sin. Paul will write about, a, a lot the, about this a lot in, in the book of Romans in particular, but one of the things he writes about, he, he says, if you offer yourself to someone, you will become their slave. He says, so before, before you had come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you were struggling with sin because sin had become your master's because you kept offering yourself over to something, right? You kept offering yourself over to lust or you offered yourself over to greed or you're, you, you, uh, you gave yourself over to, to trying to please people and not you know, making people very big and making God very small in your life, right? Which is one of the Ten Commandments says don't do that, right? Um, uh, and, and the way that we try to be people pleasers instead of God pleasers, right? Um, and, and all of those things, um, all of those things uh, make us slaves to them. So, so sin, right, we think, we think of sin as, you know, people who are outside the church and who don't understand Christianity says, well, I can do what I want. You know, I can, I can abuse drugs and, and that's, you know, then I'm free or I can, I can sleep with whoever I want and so I'm free. Well, the problem is what the Bible says is the exact opposite. You do those things and you offer yourself to their shackles, right? We, you see this, right? We, we know this. We, you, you have loved ones too, I do too, who, who have allowed themselves to be shackled to addictions, whether they're addictions of drugs or whether they're addictions of al alcohol, and they think that, you know, they want to do whatever they want to do, and so if they want to drink, they're going to drink. If they want to get high, they're going to get high. But in the end, what they don't say is they've become slaves to their sin. Jesus says, I want people 
to be freed from that. I want people to be freed from sin. So in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, it says this, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. That is the gospel. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I tell you, I, I know we're kind of uptight. I know we're, uh, we're you know, kind of uptight white folk here. But whenever I hear this kind of thing, that you've been set free from the bondage of sin, I kind of want to jump up and down and dance around. I'll be real honest. Now, I'm not good at dancing. It would be kind of ugly. But this is something to get really excited about. You hear me? This is something to be very excited about. You and I were slaves to sin, and it was leading to our death. And Jesus Christ came and he said, I want you to be free. And so he offered himself as a sacrifice and broke the bondage of sin over the life of believers so that we would no longer be bound to sin, but we would be bound in freedom really now to righteousness, slaves now to God um, in righteousness, to obey him and not to obey our appetites in um, in sin. So not only that, but God has made us alive in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2, uh, verses 4 and 5 says this, but because of his great mercy, I'm sorry, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God has made us alive. He set us free. He's made us alive when we were dead and dying in our sins. Um, I, I tell you, in all of this stuff, I really wanted to start the new year this way to just remind you of the glory of the gospel and the glory of the work that God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ because it gives a whole lot of simplicity to a whole lot of life, doesn't it? So in the end, in, in the end here's, um, I've got two more things to share with you. So, um, so here's, here's this. The Apostle Paul, when he thought about the change in the life of a believer, he, when he thought about that and, and he began to pin the words about what the change has been in the life of a believer, he used words that really hadn't been used before in the Scriptures. Um, he said that the people who are in the Lord Jesus Christ are like something brand new. They're like a new creation, he would write. And, and I, as I thought about this, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I, I started thinking about I started thinking, we have Josiah here with us this morning. I started thinking about the, uh, a set, you know, I started thinking about a play uh, where, where God has come in and he's taken the old set and he's struck the old set and he's given the cast all new parts and he's changed the plot entirely and he's changed the finale of everything because everything is new in the Lord Jesus Christ. It, we've, we've gone from a people who were sold to sin and dying in our sin and lostness and we're now on a different stage. We're in a different plot. We've got a different script. We're different people. We're different characters and there's a different finale this time than what was the, the previous time. God has set a stage for us according to his purpose and his glory, and he's given us a new part and a new life, and we are new creatures um, in this thing that he's doing. Amen? Amen. So, so read with me here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When Paul was contemplating what, what it meant to be in Christ, he said, it's like, something, it's like something brand new. It's like something that's never existed before. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, uh, let me read it there from the, uh, from the NIV uh, 1984 version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We, you and I are all new people. We are all new creations if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that for a change? He doesn't say, well, everyone's just kind of got a reset. 
No, it's not like that. It's, it's something much more profound has happened in the lives of believers. We are like new creatures. We're like something new that God is creating that didn't exist before. Um, so how, how about that? So, um, so how about that? You know, um, so that's why I kind of made the title here today, Happy New Year. How about a happy new life? You know, we who are in the Lord Jesus Christ have a brand new life. We have the freedom to walk and, 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 and where, where God has, has, has freed us from the bondage to our old sin. Uh, where he's, he's, he's forgiven us all of our, of our sin and, and he's taken away the written code that was against us and he's given us new life and he's adopted us into his family as his sons and his daughters. And he's given us, thank God, here's the last part, he's given us a new purpose in life. And that's kind of where I want, to, I want to end the sermon today. The Apostle Paul, in, several times in his letters, in, in Timothy and in Philippians, uh, several times he's kind of taking stock of his life. This is kind of what we do, I think, at, at the time of New Year's. We, we kind of take stock of our lives. We, we kind of think, well, you know, over the last year I've put on 10 pounds and, and uh, you know, I've made some money, but I don't know where it went, and so I'm going to try to do better at managing my money. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the gym or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out or I'm going to buy a DVD and, or maybe the ab roller thing. How about that chin-up bar thing? That actually looks kind of cool. I was actually thinking about one of those. But anyway, uh, we can put on a door. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen those? They look really cool. I could probably do like a chin up. Um, But anyway, uh, but as, as he takes stock in his life, as the Apostle Paul takes stock in his life, one of the things he does in, in, in Philippians chapter 3 is he goes through and he starts thinking about his life as a Jew. And he, and he thinks about actually what a really good Jew he was. As a matter of fact, he says, man, I was, I was an excellent Jew. I was like one of the, I was a Jew of Jews. I was a, I was a fantastic Jew. I followed the Old Testament actually very well, um, zealously even you would say. But in the end, he says, but all of that is rubbish to me now. None of that actually counts. It's all, it's all heap of garbage now to me because there's, he says, because I've found something greater. I've found something greater. I want to, this is how I want to leave you today is, is with, the, with the words of Paul about this great thing that he's found and about his willingness to forsake everything else. Here's, this is what I was getting to in the, in the beginning. This is the simplicity of life that Paul was able to find. This is the part where he says, yeah, all this duplicity, all this multiplicity in my life, he said, I found this one thing that's worth it all. You ready? Here he goes. He's, and then he, he talks here just before this, he talks about it. He says, I want to know Christ and I want to be like him. And then he says in verse 12, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to offer you this morning, if you've not been memorizing Scripture much, uh, let me encourage you. This, this little passage right here would be incredibly powerful for you to memorize for this year. Incredibly powerful. And let me tell you some of the ways that I do script, some, some uh, Scripture memory. Uh, one of the great things that I found is to write that passage down on a, on a, on a note card and stick it in my pocket. Uh, because one thing I know is that I'll put my hand in my pocket through the day and I'll wonder, what is that? And I'll pull it out and I'll read it and that helps me memorize it as I hit it several times a day. Uh, really, really great. Or, or you know, if, if, when you get dressed in the morning to hang it on your mirror or something. But do something to get, to get more of the Word into your head because once it gets into, into your head, the Holy Spirit re- really can use it there to, to really begin making change in your life. But let me just encourage you there. Okay, so 
So, so here's what Paul says in, in the end. He says, he says a couple of things I think that are incredibly powerful. He says, I want to forget what's behind me. All right? this, this is really important, isn't it? Because we can always be caught up in, in worrying about and fretting about the things of our past. We can always be worried about the, the successes we've had or the failures we've had. He says one of the things, he says, I forget what's in the past. I forget what's behind me. I leave it in the past. I leave it in the head. And he says, instead, what's he going to do? He says, I'm going to turn my attention on something else, on something greater. And so then he says, he says, I'm going to focus my attention. I'm going to strain. I'm going to press on. He, the, the, the terminology that he uses here is like an athlete in training. He says, I'm going to press. I'm, I'm going to flex my muscle. I'm, I'm going to put my speed toward this one thing, toward this one thing. I want to focus on the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. He says, I want to I focus on the purpose that Jesus has called me for. I, I, I want to I be focused. I want to strain to achieve this. I want to I race toward it. I want to I strain every muscle in my body toward this one thing that I might find the purpose and achieve the purpose for which Jesus Christ has called me. Now, it brings, brings up a great question. How in the world do you know the purpose that God has called you for? You know, um, if you're looking in the scriptures and it says, you know, um, uh, Bill Clark shall do these things in his life, it's not there because this book's really not about you and me, is it? It's a, it's a book about God. It speaks to us, but it's, it's a book ab- about God. Um, so let me encourage you, one of the things to do is just to ask the Lord <clears throat> what your purpose is and really seek, spend some time there. But, but one of the ways <clears throat> I think that people often miss the, the, finding their purpose is that they don't realize is that it, we find our purpose when we join God in his purpose. You with me? Right? So a lot of times we kind of think about, especially when we're, we're young, we want to think about what we want to do with our lives, and we've got all these plans and stuff, and that's great. I think God loves that. I think he allows that. But one of the things he finds is that what he wants is, as you go doing these things, be part of my purpose. Point people to me. Point the people that you're around to, to, to me. Be a part of what I'm doing in redeeming mankind. Be a part of what I'm doing in restoring what's been broken in people's lives and broken in relationships. Be a part of me salvaging what's been broken when people sit in shame and guilt because of their own sin. Be a part of what I'm doing in their lives to tell them that there's a way out of that pit. Right? Be part of what I'm doing to offer and, and to tell people about the forgiveness that you've found in the, Lord, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a part of what I'm doing in, in offering people who, are, who are find themselves in addictions and wandering away from God or in idolatry, freedom from their bondage and freedom to, to live in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be part of what I'm doing. Um, we find our purpose when we join God in his purpose. So these things I know, God's purpose for you it will always involve glorifying him. It, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a construction worker. It doesn't matter if you're an astrophysicist. His purpose for you will always involve worship. He always wants your heart. He always wants your time. He always wants you to worship him. And then the other things, he wants you to love people. He wants you to serve people because that's what he did when he was here on earth. Amen? Amen. That's incredible purpose, being part of this incredible story that God's painting and part of this incredible uh, uh, story that that he's uh, involved us all in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I pray that these things would give us some simplicity and some focus in our lives. 
I pray, Lord God, that, that we, would, we would spend more time thinking and meditating about your greatness and your glory, and not only for who you are, but what you've done, Lord God, that you've, you've brought about forgiveness, that you've brought about redemption and salvation, that, that you've, um, that you've uh, canceled the, the code that was um, opposed to us, that you've forgiven our sins, that you've freed us from the bondage of sin, Lord God. We're, we're such a grateful people, and, and the fact that you did it just, Lord God, so that we might enjoy the freedom of being in you. Uh, Lord God, we just rejoice in that. Now, for the people around us, we, pr- we pray, Lord God, help us to catch up your purpose for them. Lord God, you, you have a desire. You want to see people freed. You want to see people forgiven. You want to use us to do it. So, Lord, I pray, give us focus. Give us simplicity of mind, and even in the busyness of our lives, Lord God. Uh, I pray that this week, Lord God, that we would start out um, in your word. I pray that we'd start out in your presence, Lord God, um, having you restoring our, our souls and restoring what's been, what's been lost and broken in the, in, in the fall. Um, and, Lord God, I pray that you would speak purpose to us everywhere that we go. Everywhere that we go, that we might see what you're doing in the people around us, that we might take part in encouraging them and pointing them uh, to our great God, our great Savior, who is worthy of worship and honor and glory. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here. Happy uh, 2014.